Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about the gentleman today? I am, because after all, we, we are, are the watchers, watchers of movies. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. So yesterday... I had a funeral of sorts. <laughs> no. Yesterday. Because... <laughs> oh, you want to tell it? Or you want I'm to sorry. Tell it? <laughs> no, it's because I can no longer brag about never watch, never having watched a Harry Potter movie. And this, for me, is a huge accomplishment because I've been trying to get her to watch just one Harry Potter. Just the, just the first Harry Potter for seven years now. And it was glorious, people. Watchers of movies. It was glorious. <laughs> it was my birthday present to Lauren. I agreed to watch Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, what do you want to? I talk about it? I liked it. I thought I wouldn't like it. I thought, if anything, I'm gonna appreciate the cinematography and the music, but I'm not gonna like it because I I generally don't care for young child actors who are responsible for carrying a movie. There are exceptions to that rule, and I think this movie basically did fine. I think Hermione was not a good actress. <laughs> I well, told we Lauren, about that before. Too. I told Lauren while I was watching it that I felt like I was watching Shakespeare in the Park because she was so <laughs> emotive and just over the top. And she really, she really was, and it was parts that like she shouldn't have been that over the top on, and she was. She I would agree. just, she would like emphasize everything. She's like, "You're not." Supposed to do that, <laughs> and I was like, Hermione, give it a rest. How do you make friends? Oh, but boy. I thought Daniel Radcliffe and uh, the boy who played Ron Weasley did fine as little kid actors, who, as I said, are responsible for carrying a movie. They were they were great, and it was their first movie too, and that that was yeah. really good. Um, I thought there was a few scenes where I could tell the director said, "Harry, look amazed," and he was like <laughs> over amazed. His facial expressions were very over the top, but overall, I thought their yeah. acting was. was I good. agree. <laughs> I agree with you. There are some scenes where it's like your reaction shouldn't be that extreme. Harry yeah. is not that big of a deal. Like he sees the the broom, the Nimbus two thousand, and oh, yeah, he's, he's like he's just. <gasps> Like in awe over it, and I thought, you just found out you were a wizard. There's no way you could know what a magical broom is. Well, that, and, like, wouldn't he just look at it and be like, oh, it's just a broom? Yeah. Because that's all he knows, you yeah. know? I mean, And, yeah. um, so I, I liked it overall. I thought it was way too long, and I thought it was really they're nice that I... They're all long, though, I hate to tell you. All... It was, I don't mind long movies. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't like about this particular one was that if I hadn't been watching it with you, I, it would have seemed kind of like a mess in some parts because you explained a lot of things. I did. So I think the source material is so vast, they should have either just cut out much bigger chunks or maybe made it into multiple movies if they wanted to fit it all in because I thought they just, they put a lot of things into it that seemed half finished. Well, and there was some stuff they didn't even include, like they didn't have this, there's, um, when... When Harry's going down to meet Quirrell, or he doesn't know that he's meeting Quirrell, but there's like a whole section where they have to solve a bunch of Snape's potions, and they didn't include that in the movie, and everyone was really bummed by that, because it was a really interesting part in the book. But, oh, that's yeah. interesting. So I liked the little twist um, that Snape wasn't the bad guy, mm -hmm. that it was Quirrell. I didn't care so much for the special effects. I The thing is, the special effects weren't bad because they were cheap. They were kind of bad because they were dated, which yeah, I told you yeah. last night. Yeah, so, they're like 2001. So my complaint about the special effects is just because so much time has passed that we've gotten so much better. But not, I mean, I'm sure for the time, most of them would have been pretty cool. They did do something impressive at the beginning where they had Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm turn into a cat, but they just showed her shadow no, like, changing. go from a cat to a... Or, yeah, yeah she went to... from a cat to a human, but it just showed her shadow. Mm -hmm. And I was really impressed at that, and I thought, way to go, because you don't have the technology to make that look very good. But then later in the yeah, movie, they the showed movie. her do it. <laughs> yeah. So, but... Well, and when yeah. they showed it later in the movie, though, it wasn't, like, it wasn't bad, and it was so quick, It was too. very quick, yeah. and it wasn't, like, full on. It was... Yeah. And, um... I also thought the moral the morals of the school were a little bit weird because Quidditch seems to be a game that it, um, 
thrives on cheaters and people who play dirty. And also, there was a scene, there was a point in the Quidditch game when Harry was going to die. He was hanging off of the broom at maybe, I don't know, 100 feet up in the air. And the people didn't seem concerned at all. They were just like, it's all part of the game. (laughs) They probably, like, and they never really go into it, but they probably have... Like, people on the outside who are, like, waiting for wands at the ready in case someone is Ooh, falling. I wish yeah. they would have shown that. Because yeah, I don't, they I mean, Dra- they never explained that, but Draco, I bet that's something. Draco? Yeah. Draco was, like, smiling, and I thought, what, what an evil kid. He, he wants Harry to die because, why? Because Harry is, <laughs> yeah, there's, like, lore about him or something. But. Draco, uh, I mean, there's, there's so much more to Draco than meets the eye, yeah. you know? Um, his dad's a Death Eater, so oh. his dad worked with Voldemort, and, um, he just comes from a very rich and snobby family who's, you know, has no problem mistreating other people. So, I'm not excusing his behavior by by any means, but he is still a child. Well, I don't you know? think it was just his behavior. It seemed like the whole school was kind of okay with it. <laughs> yeah. But he, they showed him smiling. Yeah, yeah. Well, Draco's a little shit, that's yeah. why. <laughs> I do like how um, they let kids be kids. I thought that because I thought uh, a movie about a boarding school, it's going to be really tight laced and I'm going to hate the teachers. But the teachers seem to understand that like kids want to be kids. Kids want candy. Kids like fun and surprises. They also didn't seem to have to learn math or science or geography (laughs) at all. And they're only 11 years old. So good thing they have magic to fall back on. But I thought it was fun. I thought the Wizards world they don't created get was jobs fun. in the muggle world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, once you're in the wizarding world, I think you're like in it. You know. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I like the double world, um, world the double world world they created. I like the t- platform Although, nine and three quarters. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, that's really yeah. I though I have to say though, I think that it is kind of weird that they don't teach like science and geography and stuff because. <laughs> That is important, but also, like, what if you don't want to stay in the wizarding world for the rest of your life and you want to be among muggles because you fall in love with a muggle person, you know what I mean? Like, I guess you, they have to be the breadwinner <laughs> of the family. I guess so. <laughs> but it was fun, and I think I'll probably watch the next movies. <laughs> I just heard your cat. Eventually, over time, but now that I, because now that I can't say that I'm I've never seen a Harry Potter. Like, I get pretty haughty about it. I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. I can't say that anymore, so I might as well, over the next, I don't know, 80 years, watch the rest of them. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, there I am. Now I'm part of a... I'm not part of an elite group anymore. I'm part of a, a majority. <laughs> you know what, though? <laughs> Welcome to the wizarding world, is what I gotta say. Yep. Yes. It was fun. The music was really good. It's great, yeah. John Williams is, is an awesome he's, composer. He's a pro. I really liked Hagrid a lot. Oh, Hagrid's, yeah. Hagrid's yeah. a fan fave. And Dumbledore was really nice, which I appreciated. He wasn't distant. Yes. And, um, I think Dumbledore that's... has also a very complicated relationship yeah. with Harry, so... Anyway, not gonna spoil it. You know, you'll find out eventually. I'll find out. That's how it went. That's our... Yeah, that's it. So you want to start talking about the movie? The Gentleman! Yeah. So did you see the trailer for Morbius, the Jared Leto trailer? I did. Okay. What did you think? Does that look kind of interesting here? Because I was kind of like a little intrigued. What is he doing? (laughs) Your your cat's going under the rug. That was really cute. (laughs) He was playing peekaboo the other day under the rug. It was pretty cute. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it because it seemed like... I kind of thought it seemed like a Batman movie. I thought so, too. Batman and Venom. Actually, yeah, that's what I was saying. I thought it was Venom. And also, you know, I don't really like Jared Leto as a person. I think he's, I think he's a little predatory. Oh, I've never Um, met him. Well, (laughs) I just, I, I, I've, like, he has, like, a cult. You ever seen that? Did I ever show you Oh, yeah, for young girls. Like, it's. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I just, I think that the guy is, like, he's getting way too big for his britches. You know, he thinks he's the shit, and it's just, like, dude, you know. Whenever I see a superhero movie that's a superhero I've never heard of, mm-hmm. 
and I don't know if I assume that this came from a comic series, but I don't actually know. But whenever I see it's this, it's Marvel, isn't it, or something? Maybe. Yeah, uh, it's Marvel for sure. Is it? Yeah. I always think, did the actor sign up for this because he thought it'd be an easy paycheck? And so that makes me think, eh, maybe I don't care about this yeah. one-off, this one-off Marvel movie. Now, if he was eventually going to join, well, the Avengers is like totally revamping. I guess the Avengers, like as we know it, is done, and they're starting maybe like new storylines. But if his character was going to like join the Avengers or be part I thought of you that, would, like universe, restart the entire thing. I was no, like, I thought, oh I think, my god, I can't do this. I think again. they sort of did like a re. <laughs> they're doing like okay, the end of this storyline, we're starting like a refresh. Well, they're starting a refresh with uh, Batman. Robert Pattinson's playing him. Uh, what? Yeah. How dare they? Robert Pat. Okay, <laughs> this is a problem I have, because I remember Robert Pattinson as just <laughs> sort of being around, but I saw a headline like two weeks ago that said Robert Pattinson is the sexiest man alive, and I thought, am I in a parallel I... universe? Did I go through a portal and I don't realize it? Because why is he all of a sudden back on the scene and people are really excited about him? And why is he playing Batman? And why are they doing a Batman movie? Because Christopher Nolan already did probably the best Batman movies that anyone will ever do, so Bless just move forward. Last well, one was okay. I think he had, like, there were issues because of what of, happened with Heath Ledger and yeah. everything. But regardless, The Dark Knight Rises is the best Batman movie that will ever be created. Robert Pattinson, I really if love you're Batman listening, <laughs> I think you should back out and just do something else. You know who I think would be a good Batman? I think Michael Fassbender could do it. I actually agree. Yeah, I think he'd make a good actually, Batman and a good... Listen. Um, Bruce Wayne. I stand by it. I think Ben Affleck was a good Batman. I think and he was too. And people gave him a really hard time, and I think it was just a band. I think one person didn't like, one person with a little bit of clout didn't like his performance or something, or just right. wanted to make a stink, and everybody just jumped on, but I see no evidence I that he did a bad job. I really liked him. He I was liked older, him too. He was grizzled, yeah. and he has a very wealthy look about him. Yeah. I really, but I agree. I think Michael Fassbender could do a good job yeah, as well. But I, 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 I don't know why. No, I liked, I liked Ben Affleck too. Are I so he against was good. Ben Affleck now? Henry Cavill, don't care for. <laughs> Superman, don't care for. But Ben oh, Affleck. How many times? And have obviously, we Zack Snyder. Henry Cavill on this podcast. <laughs> like they could have got a different director for those movies because those movies oh, were not good. Yeah, but no. I don't. I, I mean, if they're going to make a Batman, Zack Snyder has like. <laughs> It's like one in five, like one in five yeah. were his hits. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Sucker Punch was good, and then everything else after that was bad. And it's Did just he made three hundred because I liked three hundred. Oh, I don't. That came before Sucker Punch. Right, I can look it up. But anyway, to... um, I don't know if I care so much about Morbius. It kind of seems like a I'm cash kind of, cow to fi- me. Yeah, I'm on the f- like like the Black Widow movie. I think seems really awesome. I'm excited. I'm ex- about I want to see that, but I, I don't care that. about Morbius. And I agree. I don't really. I'm not really a Jared Leto fan. Um, yeah. I I thought he was good in the yeah, Dallas Zach Buyers Snyder. Club. Okay, so yeah. Zach, I liked 300. All right, you know. Yeah, that was good. It was, it was good. okay. I did have an anecdote about trailers that I wanted to tell you. Okay. Because I went and saw this movie. They were only playing it. They were only having a late show. It was like 10:10. Oh yeah, yeah. When you saw so that I went one, and yeah. saw it. Um, because I had to, and I was in the biggest theater, and no one else bought tickets, so I was all by myself, <laughs> and I like the recliners, so I was sitting up near the front, and I got two scary movie trailers in a row, and I've never been in oh, a I dark theater. Oh, I didn't get theater. any scary tra- movie trailers. Yeah, I think they changed it up because I didn't get some of the trailers you right. got, but I, I've never been in a giant dark theater late at night, all by myself, <laughs> watching scary movie trailers, and I had to close my eyes because I thought... There was one about, it starred Katie Holmes, and it was about a doll, her weird little boy finds. Every time people have, it seems like in movies, whenever people have, like, a child who could turn out to be a freak or a serial killer, their biggest decision is to move him out to, like, a country estate where yeah, no I one don't know can why help they do, I know. I don't know why they do that either. Yeah. It's, like, not only that, but it's, like, you're going to move him out to a country estate where they're isolated, yeah. first of all. Secondly, there's a lot of animals around, so there's there's the serial, serial killers. Kill, yeah. They're going to be hurting those animals. And third, how much more do you want to bet that the best doctors who can yeah, help this child the with their problem are in, yeah, are also, in heavily populated them, areas? Send like. them to school so they can socialize and things, and oh, hopefully. But yeah. anyway, so he finds this doll, and the doll is creepy, and then... 
I feel I, like I've seen the trailer. I closed my know. eyes because it was spooky because I thought I heard something behind me at one point and I looked and there was nobody there. And then I thought somebody could easily sneak up on me and scare me and oh, no. I would probably have a heart attack. And then the next one was the Antebellum movie, which looks really oh, creepy. But I'm very curious about that I one. I want to see that one. Anyway. But when the movie and started, did it too. Yeah. yeah. But the movie started, and something I really like about oh, Guy Ritchie. Oh, I actually movies. wanted to mention. Did you see the James Bond film? Yeah. Yeah. Christoph Waltz is uh, the villain in it. Yeah, I yeah. probably will see it. I like the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Yeah. I think I they seen are the last two. I don't think though. He's my favorite James Bond because it's it's so modern. Yeah. I'm not generally... I thought they were changing him. They are. I think this is the last one. This is the last one. Okay, but I really yeah. like Moneypenny. She was... Um, I don't remember her name, but she was Naomi in 28 Harris. Days Later. And she was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and I think yeah. she's a really good actress. Naomi Harris. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll probably see it just because I want to like put yeah. a nice bow I'll, on I'll it. I'll watch it yeah. with you. And Rami Malek, I think, yeah, is he's good. good. He's good. Okay, so let's start about the movie. So the movie started after yes. the two scary trailers, and something I really like about Guy Ritchie movies is he always chooses a pretty fun soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So it started, and the movie started with Matthew Conaghy sitting down at a bar, and then somebody sneaks up behind him and cocks a gun, and you hear the gunshot, and you see blood splatter, and I thought, oh my gosh, you assume he's dead. he just got <laughs> killed. And then I thought... This is how Knives Out should have been, Ryan Johnson, because even though I know Matthew McConaughey is probably dead and the movie is going to be back in time, right. I don't know who did it, yeah. so that intrigued me. And obviously there's a twist and everything, right. but right. Um, but then the title sequence was really nice. It had like cool music playing, and Guy Ritchie does sort of like heist movies, and they're usually pretty fast-paced, and they're kind of witty and wild and, and vulgar, yeah. and they're just fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but this movie, for this I didn't one. think lived up to that expectation. But for the first no. maybe like few, you know, I honestly really liked it until the last thirty minutes. Oh, really? That's what really turned for me. Yeah, I thought it got a little bit slow in the middle. I, I liked, you know, the the ending and one scene, which we'll get into, like pretty much were the things that were like. This is this ruined it. For okay, me. so yeah. I agree. With I did you. like I, know. I did like a lot of parts of it, but that was it. Made it just it 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 put such a bad taste in my mouth that I was like, I can't just separate the rest of the film now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think this movie would have been really good if Quentin Tarantino directed it. <laughs> yeah, and we've just gotten off of a, a small Quentin Tarantino yep. sort of marathon with watching some movies of his, and I watched Kill Bill on my own. And I think that there's this thing that's happening right now, and it's like this nostalgia for film. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Guy Ritchie is trying to get on the nostalgia train because he had Hugh Grant sort of do this little monologue at the beginning when he's like, no, this this movie I'm going to tell you about is on film. And he, it shows like film loading into a projector. And I was it put a bad taste in my mouth. To yeah, use you your, know, I didn't love that because I thought I was like, Ugh. Quentin Tarantino does film nostalgia. Beautifully, because I think he truly loves it, and it yeah, comes oh, through. Big time, yeah. And I felt like Guy Ritchie was just trying to ride the nostalgia train, and there was no passion behind it, and I didn't care for it. And immediately, I thought maybe if I was a seventeen-year-old and I hadn't seen many movies, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I love this! It's so edgy and nostalgic, and film is awesome, and digital sucks," <laughs> you know. But yeah. but I I'm not seventeen, and I've seen many movies, and. I lived through the film era, and yeah, film is awesome, but if you're going to try to make me feel sad about the demise of film, only Quentin Tarantino can do that, <laughs> and I just didn't Very care for it. Very few people can. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, So, so <laughs> I liked Hugh Grant's character. I thought he was funny. I love all the sexual references he was making to, like, Charlie Hunnam. I thought those were, I thought he was funny. Um, as like it was fun to see him in a different role than I've ever yeah. seen him. Yeah, I was like expecting like charming and aloof like he normally is, and yeah. he was like and he had a different accent. Like yeah, yeah, and he was he had a really cool yeah, accent. It was like a different yeah. accent than he normally has. Still, you know, still from Britain or still British, but just different area. Um, and and I love Charlie Hunnam, and actually yes. I think he was probably the best part of the movie. He was just 
I like agree. a gentleman thug. <laughs> you know? And I, I loved, loved how, him. I loved his loyalty. Me too. Um, I loved throughout the movie he was loyal to Matthew McConaughey's character. And I'm going to jump ahead, but we'll go back. Okay. At the end when Hugh Grant is um, sort of saying who the actual killers were, like the, the one of the twists, mm-hmm. I thought, oh no, is this going to be like he's going to reveal that he knows that Charlie Hunnam is backstabbing Matthew McConaughey and that never that didn't happen. Yeah. It was the Russians the whole time and I was so happy that Charlie yeah. Hunnam is just a pure character. He just he Wait, Russians. It was the Russians who the kid he threw the boy out the window and so his dad Oh that's right. The okay, yeah. yeah I was like okay. So I was just really happy that he was so loyal. Through the whole movie he was yeah. loyal and he was a really great character and I, I agree. I think it, well I really loved Colin Farrell's character. I do too. I like so, the tracksuits that they all yes, wore. I, <laughs> they all wore like the same tracksuit but different colors. Yeah and I used to it's actually a phenomenon because I was not a fan of Colin Farrell until I saw In Bruges. Mm-hmm. And then now, in my eyes, he almost can do no wrong. <laughs> I, I love Colin Farrell. And, I'm a fan, and, for but sure. That, that being said, I won't go rewatch the movies before In Bruges, because I probably won't like them still. But anything he's made, I think anything he makes with his accent, mm-hmm. and not as an American, I think he does really yeah. good in. I really, like... I think oh, except Winter's <laughs> Tale. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That's, uh, I mean... Well, the the problem is with Winter's Tale is that the source material is like the the book is like six hundred and sixty pages because yeah. I'm reading it right now, and it's it's way too vast to like you could make a mini series out of it possibly yeah but not a movie. There was something else I didn't like about the movie, mm-hmm. and I marijuana is not elegant or exciting or anything to me. I it's not like. I don't, I think it's a weird choice to make Matthew McConaughey be a drug kingpin of a marijuana empire because every class in society smokes marijuana. It's easy to get. It's relatively affordable. I don't care. There's no, there's nothing high class or exciting about marijuana. Marijuana isn't mysterious. No, it's not. So I, I mean, didn't, I wasn't impressed. Every, like everyone smokes it. He has this marijuana empire and. He wants to get out of the business, so he's selling it. And also, the actor that played the guy he was selling it to... Matthew. I did not think he was a great actor. He kind of seemed like a stand-in, and they were like, we yeah. just want Matthew to run through his lines, so just stand there and read and read the lines so he can bounce off of you. And then they ran out of time, so they just left him in. Because I didn't think he was a good actor throughout the whole thing. Well, he he, really... he kind of never changed his tone, either. No. Like, it was always the same, like kind of slightly snarky, like, sassy tone. He wasn't a good actor. No, he he wasn't. I didn't mind him, but, like... I knew he was the bad guy almost immediately as well. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty... Yeah, he wasn't... He didn't have any sort of depth or charm to make you not think that he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, he just didn't have that level... He He didn't have, like, a con man type... uh, It was... And... I mean, he just, he came across as being a little, like, flamboyant, and just, he just seemed very, like, you knew what you were getting into with him. You know what I mean? There wasn't any sort of, like, mysteriousness about him, you know? Yeah, and I think flamboyance, you can really run with. You can make somebody very charming, very debonair, very classy, and with a touch of flamboyance, you can make them... The most likable bad guy possible. Totally, yeah. And they, he was so boring, and his dialogue was so flat. And that's another thing that really bothered me, is I think Quentin Tarantino has a beautiful ability to make poetry <laughs> with his words. Like, there's a cadence to his lines. And I felt another way I noticed that I thought Guy Ritchie was copying that was that a lot of the characters had a very strange manner of speaking. Matthew McConaughey, this the bad guy, um, and some of the other people... It was so stunted and awkward, and I thought they're definitely out of their comfort zone, and they definitely don't have a director that can guide them to make this right. work. And I didn't like that either. Let's start at the beginning with Big Dave, the Big editor Dave. of the Daily Print. Tabloid. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, played by Eddie Marsan. I thought it was kind of funny that like this guy got so offended by the fact that Mickey didn't shake his hand that he like. Paid this dude money to stalk this guy for, like, weeks. So, anyway, Big Dave hires Fletcher to trail Mickey, who's Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And, like, so, like, 
the first scene you see him is when they're at that like really affluent party, you know, and he like doesn't infl- or uh, uh, Mickey doesn't shake Big Dave's hand, and I thought it was hilarious how like snubbed and offended he was. I was kind of like, some people don't like shaking hands, but also this dude is the like the head of a tabloid, you know? Yeah, it's so, not like he has a really yeah. prestigious. No, he totally doesn't at all. He's sort of hobnobbing with people that are out of, like, not on his, or he's, he is not on their level. No, definitely not. And I can almost understand why Mickey wouldn't want to shake his hand, because there's a lot of, like, it's, I mean, you know, they kind of go into, like, the stuff that, that the tablet was going on about, and it's, it's just, I could see him not wanting to align himself with such a character, but then in the second scene that you see him in, Big Dave is, like, scratching his ass in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. He's this kind of character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just... And (laughs) whatever, like... I I guess I never, like, really felt any empathy or, like, I really cared about him. I feel like Big Dave, as a character, was just sort of thrown in at the last second, and all of a sudden, at the end, they were, like, blackmailing him into bestiality. Yeah. And I thought, where did this come from? (laughs) Which was really funny because oh, when I he, didn't like it. Oh, I thought it was. I thought I don't it was like hilarious. any sort of animal cruelty. No, jokes. I mean it's not. It just it reminded me of. Um, did you ever see Black Mirror? No, I know. I know the episode you're talking okay, about. Okay, yeah, this is the first one. Yeah, but there's also that scandal with David Cameron, who uh, who was the Prime Minister of Britain, and in real life, yeah, about him having sex with a pig. He really did? I No, it was like a rumor. Oh. But there's like a whole thing about that. So I think it's like a play on that. Um, but I don't know. I think it wasn't so much the fact that he had sex with the pig. That's not funny. That's disgusting. It, what was funny was was Colin Farrell like going like, oh, yeah, we fed you some drugs last night. You really lost your inhibitions there <laughs> like and how he's like you know and and he's like showing him the video and and then later when he's showing charlie hunnam the video colin farrell is and and he's like he's like i know it's awful and i took it myself <laughs> and I'm just like, i don't know he was colin so, like, farrell's character was my favorite he was the best he was funny and i loved how yeah he and all his little like minions wore like the same outfit with this different color tracksuit yeah, like different color like, tracksuits and i really liked how so he ran a gym, and it was for youth, and probably mm-hmm. youths who would maybe end up on the street if not for somebody like him taking an interest in them and teaching them how to fight and teaching them just sort of values, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they, the youths were hired by the, the guy who was going to buy Matthew McConaughey's company in a roundabout way. Yep. <laughs> and Oh, wait, not Matthew. Um, Henry Golding's character, I think. Oh, Dry right? Eye. Dry Eye. And King, King George. King George, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. convoluted. <laughs> it is. It's kind of a convoluted. Yeah, it's King George is Dry Eyes like boss, and he's like the guy that owns the Chinese restaurant. Remember, he was yeah. the dude that was vomiting everywhere. That vomit scene was terrible. Was, was so gross. Really gross. It yeah. was. I mean, like, and vomiting does not bother me in movies, but this was projectiled like it was like, another Quentin Tarantino ripoff. It, it, it yeah, really it bothered was, me. It was gross. It was gross. Um. But yeah, so okay, so King George, the dry, the so Chinese. Jeremy kingpin. Strong's character hired King George mm-hmm. to try to take down Matthew McConaughey's marijuana company because he wanted to buy the company for less than yeah. Matthew McConaughey was selling it yeah, for. Yeah, pretty much. And so the youths of the gym were sort of hired as thugs to break into one of the farms because he had this clever farming system where he yeah. would farm underground on these he he would pay wealthy estate owners some money so he could have a farm like underground that's really clever it was really clever and anyway so some of these thugs from the gym these youths uh came in and sort of stole from him and everything stole marijuana plants and then they came and told Colin Farrell's character, and he was so upset with them. <laughs> well, let's okay. So let's talk about that scene, though. So when the thugs broke in, and there was that dude that like worked for Matthew McConaughey, and he was walking out, and he's like, "Hey, guys, come in here." Whatever the guy's name is, mm-hmm. and then they kept calling the dudes in. There was like everyone in the theater was laughing, but there's this one girl in particular who, like, I swear, made the movie for me because she 
um, would laugh like really hard, and it was, but it was hilarious. Like, and there was that scene where, um, Charlie Hunnam's, uh, the like those like not the thugs, but like the henchmen are like carrying out the dead body of Aslan. Oh yeah, and this one girl, the only girl in the audience, lost her shit over it, and it was, it was like. It made the part so much funnier than it actually was because she was laughing so hard and she was the only one laughing. And it was like, but it was the best. Like, it just, I was just like, thank you, random girl, for, like, laughing at that. That was great. It enhanced my enjoyment of the movie, you know. I actually have a story that goes along with that. Um, Years ago, I went and saw MacGruber Mm -hmm. with a friend of mine, and we were in a theater with not many other people, but there was one guy in there who was laughing really hard. And normally, (laughs) something like that might annoy me, but because the movie was so ridiculous, and he was laughing so hard and endearingly, it also (laughs) made the movie more funny. Like, there's a scene... Like, throughout the movie, MacGruber carries his car stereo with him as, like, a little handle, and he doesn't leave it in his car because he doesn't want to get stolen, yeah. <laughs> so he's always carrying it with him, and there was, at one point, the guy in the theater who was laughing really loud was like, and he's got his little radio with him, and, he, and it was just so endearing because he was enjoying it so much that it made me enjoy the movie <laughs> as I was watching it. So I totally agree with you. Like, in the right context, that sort of behavior she is... just had a great yeah, laugh, It's too. just, like, so like, fun. Yeah. It makes you happy because everyone's sort of in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was great. I don't want that to happen in every movie I'm in. But no, when it no, happens in the right, at the right time and the right place, it's really good. <laughs> I agree, yeah. I agree. But so, so the... Okay, so they... The thugs, they come in, um, and they start, you know breaking things apart and everything and all those guys come in. I thought that was a pretty clever piece of comedy with the dudes like be calling one another in to the room. Yeah. And you're like, how many are left? Yeah. And there are people in the audience that I think someone said, how many are left? <laughs> oh my gosh. You were in like a Rocky Horror Picture Show audience. I was. And, um, but my, okay, and like my biggest issue with that part was the fact that they put together this music video yeah. In, like, what seemed like 15 minutes, and it suddenly became viral. I think there was there was supposed to be a weird commentary on, like, internet culture. Because the boy, like, the boys from the gym who were stealing the marijuana, for somehow overpowered Matthew McConaughey's thugs, who were right. paid to guard the marijuana, and made, like, a rap video. And I that, didn't and like online. The, I thought that they shouldn't have... I thought that they should have not um, overcame the th- the Matthew McConaughey. And they, they never showed weird. how that happened. Yeah, no, I they didn't, didn't. It didn't seem believable to me at all. It didn't. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it seemed like the the guys that Matthew McConaughey would have hired would have been a lot more tough and paid very well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> then these guys who are not paid at all and they're just doing yeah. like they, what they think is a fun, you know, little thing or whatever. But I don't know. I mean. We're obviously supposed to suspend our disbelief, but I had a hard time doing that in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I thought that there was... It was unequal. Yeah. They did know how to fight because Colin Farrell ran this gym, Mm -hmm. so he taught them how to fight. So the thugs... Or the the people, the henchmen that are guarding the marijuana did say it was like they knew how to fight. So oh yeah, that's true. So there that's was true. that they did have that advantage, and I guess they did say that, but they never showed it. Yeah. So I I didn't really I couldn't get on board with it entirely. I couldn't either, <laughs> and I really and this is my own thing as someone who has been working on social media for the past I don't know eight months now to try and get our podcast out there. Nothing goes viral in 15 minutes. It just doesn't happen that way. You know, it might happen over the course of a couple of days, but not, it's not going to happen in 15 minutes. You know, like, Charlie Hunnam's character, um, Raymond, so Raymond had brought it to Mickey and been like, oh, look at this video. It's in your bunker thing or whatever. And it was within 10 minutes of this whole entire operation happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think there was probably supposed to be some deeper... I agree with you, but I think there was supposed to be some deeper message about how people are more in tune to social media than real life or something. Well, it was a bad message, and I got lost on it. I get sort of tired. I get tired of it. I mean, when I was a kid, I would carry a book around everywhere I went. Like, if we were going to a family thing, if we were going anywhere, I would take a book with me. 
I didn't want to interact with people. I wanted to read my book. Mm -hmm. So now I take a phone with that. me. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't really think, I don't think it's evil. I mean, I, I think everybody has something that they use when they don't want to interact or when they, or something they want to enjoy. So it, it kind of bothers me that there's these high level messages about, I don't know, people being checked out or something. Yeah. I, I don't know that. That whole scene was weird, but I did like how Coach reacted to it. That I he did was too. like that yeah. he was like, I have to make this right. And he like went to them and he was yes, like, I... Listen, this is what happened. I'm very sorry about it and I will pay repay my debt. Like yeah. I thought that was I had never seen that before in any kind of character. And I was like, This is interesting and different. I and think I like that. They could have you know? cut out they could have cut out most of the story and just had the movie be about Colin Farrell's gym and Colin Farrell not knowing that his boys had done this and then going to the people he wronged yeah. and saying, look, they're stupid. Don't take it out on them. They're just kids. Right. I'll repay. Yeah, I love that. He and then like, he had to give the body in the trunk of the one of the... Um, was it one of King? Was it one of King George's men or one of the henchmen from the other oh, side? It was fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck. 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 It, it was like a, a Vietnamese <laughs> yeah. name or something. And, and they um, were Chinese. It was Chinese. Yeah. It was a Chinese. It was a Chinese name. Yeah. And um, I thought that was really funny because Colin Farrell's talking to Charlie Hunnam and he's like, "I'm gonna make it right." And yeah. Charlie Hunnam was like, "Before any of that." We need to know how they found out where the farm was. Yeah, and he goes, yeah. oh, I can help you with that. And he takes him out to the car and opens the trunk. And and one of the guys is in the trunk. And I just love that not only does Colin Farrell want to make it right, he really went above and beyond. Yeah, well, okay, so let's talk about, like, but let's talk about first um, when, so when Raymond, Charlie Hunnam, goes to get Laura who, by the way, definitely I thought was a boy because she's oh, such a deep yes. voice. Like I thought, I she... wondered if she was like transitioning. Yeah, or... I thought she was a, a guy. I, I like I was until and they she said a Laura. Very angular, ang yeah. angular. Well, and she wasn't wearing like any makeup, and she had, like dark circles in yeah. her eyes. She just she's very masculine. Yeah, very masculine. Mm -hmm. So anyway, when they went to go get her, which I have to say is a storyline that I didn't think was particularly necessary. It was boring. It was it, it was boring. It really dragged down the middle. It did, and like it was funny in that. It was it was nice to see, I guess what I what I what I mean is like so when Mickey asked Raymond to go do that, and Raymond like had this like little panic attack kind of you know and did you see like notice his eye was twitching? Not especially. He was like twitching over having to go to these these places because he didn't want to go because they're really dirty. Yeah. And Mickey's oh, like, you yeah. don't have to live there. He's like, just calm down your OCD. <laughs> yeah. And his Charlie Hunnam's like, I was like twitching like crazy. And I was like, wow, he might actually have OCD. And so I kind of like that he might have that, you know? Yeah. I mean, other than like Aslan falling off the, um, this, you know, falling out the, the building, <laughs> you know, and falling on the ground. That was sort of the vehicle for like the catalyst for like the Russians yeah. getting involved. Which... Could have happened in a different way without the addition of that girl. Yeah, because then she died or something. She died like right away. She did. She she just collapsed. They didn't she, really. No, she um she overdosed. Oh, okay. And then you just, I knew. I don't know why. It was okay. no, no, no. Because I was confused about yeah. that too. Because like she collapsed out. She walked outside. It's like six in the morning because the sun looked like it was about to come up, and she collapsed outside. And then her dad found her, and he's like wailing over her. And I was like. Call an ambulance. Like, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't. None of their their storylines didn't mean anything because we it didn't. didn't. We didn't know their characters very well. No, and so you don't you don't really care what happens there because right. you're like, well, you haven't given me a reason to care about this girl. The only reason, sorry, I'm. No, it's fine. You go for it. I just thought of something that I wanted to bring up. Is I think the reason they made Matthew McConaughey a marijuana dealer or a marijuana drug kingpin is because. Marijuana is not a harmful drug like cocaine or heroin or crystal meth. Yeah, that's right. That's so one of the he did he have said. blood on his hands because you see him like in a flashback, like killing people. Right. And obviously later in the movie he does some of that. But I think in order to make him more of a moral character, we couldn't see him as well. Who knows how many thousands of people you've killed with your product? Right. So I think that might be why they chose marijuana because it makes makes him slightly more sympathetic. Right. Because oh, your drug makes people relax and eat pizza. You know, your drug doesn't yeah. make people overdose in a back alley somewhere. And you can't overdose on marijuana. Right. So, so I think 
and also, in addition to that, he sort of had a bleeding heart for the wealthy families who let him use his land, yeah. let him use their land. Well, so that was him his, being empathetic. Yeah. yeah. So the, his motivation for collecting that daughter and bringing her back home, I guess, was to show that he cared about the families he worked with. But right. I, that whole, all of that whole storyline didn't matter to me. No, it, it didn't, and it didn't matter to me either. And in fact, like when she collapsed, I was. The only reason I know that she died of an overdose is because I looked it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, see, that was, I was really watching. Yeah, I was watching, and, and I was just like, "Did she just decide to take a walk outside and then suddenly faint? Then yeah. why is her dad freaking out? Call an ambulance!" Like, yeah. and it was really bugging me because he's like wailing and he's crying over it, and I was like, "All she did was faint. Like, calm down." <laughs> and those know? characters never came back to into no, it. No, they they and don't ever come they back. Start. <clears throat> I, I guess he could have. Like, the Russian boy could have fallen, like, could have scuffled with Charlie Hunnam in any number of ways. They yeah. didn't need to make it more complex with adding no. the daughters. And they didn't, yeah, it, it, like, you don't, you cut down as many, like, you cut off and slough off all the characters that are not important to the central yeah. storyline. Because you only have so long to tell a story, and you don't want to convolute it with a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff that's unimportant. You know, and, you and had, that's what it was. I thought they that he had pretty good characters, really good characters in Colin Farrell and Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, he did. Um, I think I could have watched an entire series yeah, just about those two. I agree. And like, Matthew McConaughey, Co- Coach and Raymond, was it? Yeah, yes. Oh my gosh, a sitcom. Yes. And Matthew McConaughey's character and his wife. <laughs> They, like, open doors at the same time, and they're like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're here. Yes, that would be a pretty good movie. I would watch a show about that. That'd be Um, hilarious. But Matthew McConaughey and his wife, I thought, I really liked his wife. I thought she was super classy. I loved her accent. I I think she's very pretty. She was, she had her finger on the pulse. Like, she wasn't just, like, um, a gold digger or something. She was part of the operation. Like, Uh, she she was a businesswoman. Well, and also, she, like, ran her own business. She was running, like, a really, like, really nice cars or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so she was a very cool character and very interesting Mm -hmm. character. And she could handle herself. Yeah. She, I mean, so do you want to lead into that scene that we were talking about? Well, I had one more thing that I wanted to say. Just that I think Matthew McConaughey could have been better... If he could have been himself a little bit more, I felt like Guy Ritchie sort of directed him out of a bit out of he Guy Ritchie directed yeah. him out of a good performance. Well, out of a great performance, he had a good performance, but he could have had a great performance. And I know that maybe some people don't like the whole Matthew McConaughey personality, but I think if he would have added a little bit more of himself and his manner of speaking, it wouldn't have seemed so unnatural. Yeah, I agree. He was like because. In all of the other movies that you see him in, he's not, like, a refined gentleman. You know, he's kind of like the guy that lives on the beach in his little Airstream trailer <laughs> and, like, goes on surfs every day. You know, like, he's just, like, a chill dude. Like, yeah, I could see him, like, growing marijuana plants. Totally. Yeah. I'm just saying he wouldn't be that refined about it. No. Know? I mean, maybe if he would, like, if he would have been his character from, like, the Lincoln commercials. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I don't know if I ever saw those. Those commercials where he's just driving a Lincoln around and spewing platitudes that don't oh. make sense. Like, what is a red light? Oh. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I know what to go. Yeah, I like that. I, I think just, I, like I think that, I just think his manner of speaking was slightly stunted and un- unnatural. And yeah. maybe it was too, there was too much hands-on. And they should right. have let him go a little bit. But anyway. Or they should have recast the character. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I'm not. I liked him in it. I liked Matthew. I like Matthew McConaughey in general. I don't don't think it's necessarily a Matthew McConaughey issue more than a artistic decision with the director and the way they wanted the movie to feel. I I definitely had a lot of issues with this film. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like there were parts that I enjoyed, but I just. So I think we should talk about the scene that we alluded to. Yeah. So dry. We should explain Dry Eye a little bit. So okay. Dry Eye was a Chinese mobster, I guess. Yep. He who, works for King George, who opened or who owns a Chinese restaurant, and, but also sells heroin. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And Dry Eye was hired by the bad guy, Jeremy Strong's character, Matthew. And but Dry Eye got a taste for like money and wanted to take over and. Just be the king himself. Right. He wanted the marijuana Matthew. business for yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he comes into um, Michelle Dockery is the actress, the mm-hmm. wife. 
He comes into Rosal- her business. Rosalind. Rosalind's business with a couple henchmen and mm-hmm. confronts her in her office. Yep. And this is where things really so, take a turn for the worse. I so in this weird, like, so she shoots his henchman in the head, but the first one doesn't die right away. He's like, that was startled, really but weird. Yeah, I thought that was strange. It was like, it, I'm like, it, are they implying that it, 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 it didn't like go into his skull far enough? Because there was this like, little joke about the gun she used was also a paperweight, because I guess guns are illegal in They're like super illegal there, I guess. So, yeah. well, they, she said that if you get five years if you get caught with one. Yeah, and so the gun that she had was like sort of a tiny little gun, and they called it a paperweight throughout uh-huh. the movie, but it also shot bullets. Yeah. <laughs> and so. She shot two of his henchmen. She said, this, it holds two bullets, and I'm not joking. And yeah. So she used the Which two bullets. Which was cool. Yeah. Like, it was cool that she And she that. got them right between the eyes. I mean, she was them. a very talented yeah, shooter. she could handle herself very well. But the guy's standing there like, what just happened? That one of the henchmen, and then yeah. he touches the bullet wound, and his forehead looks at the blood, and then he falls over. I don't know how so that So it's like, did be. he die? Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like he died then. It seemed like maybe he Maybe he fainted was knocked out. Or something, yeah. or brain damaged. But it's... I'm not, I don't know. That part was weird. So then, anyway, Henry Golding and her have a scuffle, or Dry Eye and her have a scuffle, and and then he pins her to the desk and he tries to rape her. And I really thought that was super gross and super unnecessary, and I fucking hated it. I don't like. I think there's <laughs> there are there are levels of sexism in that scene that really bothered me. Yeah. So number one, just because a woman is being roughhoused does not mean she should be raped. In a movie. I'm talking about in a movie. Like, it seems like really lazy filmmaking it's for sto- a director to say, time. well, she's female, so you should probably rape her. And I think that's just so sexist. Yeah. Because she could handle herself very well. Right. So he's got her pushed over the desk, so her... She's she's basically bent over forward onto the desk, and he, like, parts her legs. Yeah. And then I also think it's sexist to assume that every male... In this movie, every it seemed like in this universe, they're saying if a male is a criminal, he's one step away from raping, and I don't think that's true yeah, either. Because I, th- I don't think every male has this desire to rape. So to apply, and I would hope not. Either. And you never see all you see is that he's sort of a savvy henchman who wants to be king, who wants to have money. You never see any instance of him being a scumbag or treating right. women badly. There's not that many women in this movie. No, there's like. Two yeah. women and, or something. Yeah, and then no all of a sudden he's like gonna rape her and I think I just don't I mean I don't think it's a slippery slope like well I'm beating a woman up I might as well rape her like I'm no. pretty sure a lot of men most men would not think I might as well rape her right it seemed like he was like what they should have done is that they're just fighting yeah and he's just trying to knock her out that's all they could have done but instead it was like and I was like you know and I, I like Henry Golding I think he's adorable and, and I thought I was, he did a pretty good job in his role yeah but I part. really I really hated that part and it honestly it kind of ruined the rest of the film for me I agree it was it was really gross and I mean obviously nothing happens because Matthew McConaughey walks in before anything can happen he all he did have. was part her legs and she was wearing pants I think yeah. so there was nothing like nothing happened right. after that but I think it would have been just, it would have been way better if he maybe would have, like, punched her once, and then when he was winding up for the second one, Matthew McConaughey walks in, and she goes, hello, darling, because yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, or something like that, yeah, exactly. Because she said, hello, darling, and then, obviously. Yeah, that, and that, like, but it was just so... It's gross. It's, it was it was gross. gross. And yeah. it, was, it was unnecessary, and I think, like, if you... Are including a rape scene just for shock value, or you're doing it for? I don't. Like I don't even value. understand. No, why someone would want to include that in a movie when it's not necessary anyway? I don't think perpetuating rape culture is no. What well, we should also, be doing like, anyway. People use it. Uh, writers use it, and I notice a lot of male writers use this as a vehicle to like, as if putting this woman through this horrible rape trauma is, like, the way to make her a strong character. And a woman does not have to be raped in order to be a strong character. Right. You know? And, and, and they don't do that in this, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, but it was not necessary, and it was, it had no reason to be in the plot whatsoever. No, it was and just, it was like you there, said, for shock value. it just made me feel value. dirty and awful. Yeah. You know? And like, it looks like it was written by, mm, by men, I think. Of course it was. It's so sexist. And insulting to assume that A, just a woman should be raped, and B, 
a man is just always looking to rape. Yeah, I think right. for both sexes, it's unflattering. It's it it's should be just, beyond. It's it. lazy. Yeah, it's a lazy story way to tell a story. And like you know, I mean, whoever wrote this, Guy dude, Ritchie, what yeah. the fuck, man, like. Not cool. It, you know, any respect I had for you, Guy Ritchie, for doing Aladdin, it's dead and gone in the water well, now. So I don't thanks. know if I go that far. I just thought this movie I was mean, rough and know, that being, scene is unnecessary. I'm being a little hyper <laughs> hyperbolic, but, you know. So, did I ever tell you that? Because you know that word is like pronounced hyperbole. So did I ever tell you that my dad was like, it's just full of hyperbole. And I'm like, oh, that's it's nice. hyperbole. Oh, never correct somebody. Just... Work it into a sentence like two days later so they can hear it. <laughs> I know, but he just, you know what though? He he can get off his high sometimes, okay? Like he, he's, he'll be fine. Sometimes <laughs> if I, if I don't know how a word is said, I just will avoid using it because I've been, <laughs> like one time when I was like 16, I said uh, vehe- vehemently. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that's how it was pronounced. Was it vehemently or whatever? Yeah, and some people that I worked with really made fun of me. (laughs) And it was good-natured enough. Like, they weren't calling me stupid or anything. But they were older than me, and I thought they were cooler than me. And so for them to say that really upset me. Because I thought, I wish that somebody would have just... Instead of saying, like, what are you saying? I wish they would have been like, oh, I thought it was pronounced like that too. But it's pronounced... This other yeah. way. But people don't do that when you're like goofing no, I mean, around. It wasn't but anyway, mean to my dad about it or anything. I just I really like if I but anyway, all that's to say if I don't know how a word is said, I'll I've in the past like just avoided saying it until maybe I heard it organically or something. I well I worked with this guy who everyone called Herb even though his name was Dan because he he mispronounced Herbs once. Oh one time. <laughs> And, I mean, he owned it. Like, he owned it. He was like, no, my name's not Dan, it's Herb. I think at this point, I'd probably be more comfortable with it, but when I was, like, a kid. No, well, and I think everything is, like, every... I think when you grow up, you learn to deal with, like, embarrassment. Like, you're like, whatever. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But when you're a kid, it's the biggest deal in the world. Because you're like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. I can't believe yeah. I said that. I can it's never like, live. Yeah, you're like, I can never go outside again. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is that no one's even going to remember. No one cares. You know? Like, yeah. no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Hyperbole. <laughs> one time in school, I said the word epitome. And I didn't think anything of it. I just said it. And somebody was like, oh. I can't believe you said that right. Most people say epitome. And actually, <laughs> I was that. I to was this person's discredit, I've never once ever heard anyone say epitome. So. I have heard it. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they're like, it's right. the epitome, and I'm like, it's epitome. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just words. I mean, it looks like, you know, like hyperbole, epitome. Yeah. They, people, the thing is that, the thing is, Sam, is that English is a made-up language. Oh, my gosh. I hate when you say that. <laughs> I know. Every language is made up. Every time I say language it, is like, lesson. Lesson. It's always changing. Anyway, so. Anyway, <clears throat> so, yeah, so that was gross. That was a gross scene. Um, I didn't like it. It was unnecessary. It was. And yeah. it, it just, it just gave me a bad feeling, you know? Yeah. I think the only way they could have redeemed it if it was if it was ever possible to redeem it, would be instead of Matthew McConaughey coming in, she, she gains him. the upper yeah. hand and kills him before anything can happen. And then I'd say, okay, not great, but at least she. Yeah, you know, I would have been more him. okay with that. Yeah, I wouldn't have been totally okay. With I wouldn't. It, but it would have been, been best to just okay not have it yeah, in there. But, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if she and if he hadn't even like been remotely close to like killing her, but like or or, or hurting or assaulting her, but. She had the upper hand and she had killed him. And then Matthew McConaughey walked in. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so yep. she kills him. No sort of rapey thing happens. He walks in and she's like, hey, babe, how's it going? Yeah, hey, I would have liked I that. I have your little fancy... Yeah, your paperweight works paperweight, good. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that would have been cool. But, I, no, it, the the almost assault, it's not okay. Just don't put it in. No. Don't put it in. Don't. I don't perpetuate rape culture. Yeah. Don't time. make it seem like... Rape just happens. It happens enough in real life. We don't need it in movies. And no one, yeah, and, like, we're just trying to have fun. Right. I don't need to be, like, I don't need to be... Because he wouldn't, if that was Matthew McConaughey's character, he wouldn't bend him over a table and almost rape him. He no. only almost raped him because it was a female. Raped oh, her yeah, because it was yeah, a exactly. Uh, exactly. That's exactly it. It's like, no, it, something, it was not acceptable to Something me. amusing did happen right before that scene that I really liked. Mm-hmm. So Matthew McConaughey knows, oh, so this scene, that scene, 
we get back to the bar that happened at the beginning of the oh, movie, yeah, yeah. right before, right before she, the the attempted assault. Matthew McConaughey goes to that bar, and we find out that he was not the one that got shot. Charlie Hunnam yeah. came in and shot the guy who was gonna shoot Matthew McConaughey. That was good, and it was really good. So it was a really good like twisteroo. Yeah, and, I like that. Um, I thought that was that was nice. And then they got in a car because Matthew McConaughey was on the phone with his wife, and he knew that Dry Eye was in her office. Mm-hmm. So they get in the car and they're speeding there. And Charlie Hunnam was like, "You should put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on." I know, and I he wouldn't that. do it. And then Charlie Hunnam's like, "I'll do it for you." So Charlie Hunnam <laughs> leans over and puts his seatbelt on, and I think that's really cute because it's like. Super I I thought loyal, it was super cute. But it I also endearing. thought, like, oh, okay, something bad's going to happen. And obviously they got in a car accident, but right. he survived because Charlie like, Hunnam put the seatbelt on him. But he's like, he's like, can you slow down? You should, I think yeah. you should just slow down. He's, just just slow down a, a little bit. Like, yeah, and he was, yeah I, I just, I loved Charlie Hunnam's character. Yeah. He really made the movie for me. Um, and he was just like, he, I liked him because he was like, a terrifying guy, mm-hmm. like sometimes, but he was also refined. Yes, yes. Like he also had this like OCD thing where he's like, "It's disgusting. It's dirty. I don't want to go in there." And his house was really nice. Yeah, I mean, like very well, you know, decorated and everything. It was like very nice. I mean, it Fancy. was a huge house yeah. too. Yeah, like yeah. he was paid well handsomely, and you can understand why he might be so loyal if he's paid so well because he clearly is. I mean, he was living in like an estate, you right? Know? Exactly, yeah. and that um that outdoor like whole barbecue pit was pretty cool. <laughs> that was I love Hugh Grant's like going out there and he touches it. And he goes, "Oh, it's hot!" <laughs> and he's like surprised, and it just so it so reminded me of of uh, Rick Dalton and and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's like, "Can we do anything about the heat?" And the guy goes, "It's a flamethrower." Yes. <laughs> like, oh, it's hot! It's so hot. It's it. like you great. Oh, it's hot! Like <laughs> surprise! Like it's fire! <laughs> surprise! Yes, <laughs> fire does. So that was good. That was good. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely like comedic mm-hmm. parts that was like classic Guy Ritchie ish. But yeah. and then at the end, yeah, so the end, like so the end. Uh, Matthew McConaughey confronts Jeremy Strong's character, mm-hmm. and you know says, "I know that you're trying to double cross me," and he he like lowballs him an offer, and Matthew McConaughey was like. Oh, I'm gonna put you in this freezer, and if you don't, I don't remember what the he he terms was like. Were, if you, or, it was basically like it's twenty degrees below freezing or something like that. So it's really cold in there, and you're gonna go in dressed as you are, which is like his basic outfit, and you're gonna send me all four hundred million dollars. That's right. Yeah. Or you're gonna get frostbite, and you're gonna freeze to death. And, and he said, "I have this yeah. henchman here who's gonna take a pound of flesh." And I love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was um, that was interesting. And I, I just loved how intensely loyal he was to his woman. He's like, he's like, my wife got assaulted. Yeah. My you wife. touched. Like he touched my yeah. wife. My wife. And yeah. he was very angry. And I was like. Good. Yeah. Good. No, I think <laughs> like, too. I like that he is going after someone who hurt his wife because he loves his wife so much. Yeah. She's the most important thing in the world to him. And he's gonna do whatever it takes to make sure she's safe. And it was just like that I, I love that connection between them. There was, I thought clearly it was good. a lot of love between them. A love know? and respect because yeah. he obviously respected how savvy she was. Oh yeah. She respected how savvy he was. They worked together. They yeah. loved each other. It was very good. It was a good partnership. Yeah. It was like hashtag goals. It was a little <laughs> bit hashtag goals. Hashtag hashtag kingpin goals. <laughs> you know. And then um so Hugh Grant sort of blackmailed Charlie Hunnam's character because he wanted to get money for saying, you know, I know where his farms are, I know how his operation works, give me money so I'll keep quiet. But then, so Hugh Grant comes to Charlie Hunnam's house the next day, and Colin Farrell's there. (laughs) Coach. And the coach is there, and... Through some, I don't know, they sort of, like, overpower Hugh Grant, and they're like, nope, that's not gonna happen. (laughs) They put him in that box. They put him in the box, and then... Colin Farrell has this line to Charlie Hunnam that I really like where he's like, listen, I want to repay my debt that I owe you, but I'm not always going to be on your payroll. You know, you can't just hire me to do jobs, so I'll do one more thing, and then I'm out. And that must have been agreeable to Charlie Hunnam because he did, like, three things for him. Right. And uh, so he was there. They put Hugh Grant in this box, and then Colin Farrell leaves and is getting in his car, and he sees two other henchmen getting out of a car to come kill Charlie Hunnam's character, 
And then at the same time, Hugh Grant is in the box saying, no, it's not, it was the Russians right. who, the kid you threw out the window, his dad wanted revenge. And so Colin Farrell ends up saving the day because he kills the two henchmen yeah. before they can get to Charlie Hunnam. So. And I love, he does something where he like, he holds up like three fingers like, dude, kill three <laughs> yeah. guys for you now. Like, yeah. he has this look <laughs> on his face like, mm, you know, we're getting close to me being paid off. Like, yeah. and I love that look he had. Like, and, I'll, um, I don't want to do this, but I, I yeah, will. Like, I, I really liked Colin Farrell's character. He was the best. For me, he was the best part of the movie. He was he was definitely mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and, uh, but I really, you know, I really think now that I'm, I'm just thinking about it, I feel like that Russian storyline could have not been included and they exactly. could have done things in a different way. I agree. It yeah. just, because even, I like even forgot about it because it's not that much there's not that big of a part of it, yes, you know? Yes, exactly. And, yeah. um... I, it's a very loose thread. It is. And I thought that the whole thing where Fletcher was like, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, following you, whatever, and all this stuff, and Charlie Hunnam's like, well, actually, I knew that the whole time because I was following you. Yeah. And I really didn't like that. I didn't I like thought that. that was super contrived. I've seen it a million times in other films, I was like, oh, that's different and unique. He knew. Of course yeah. he did. Right. So if he totally. knew this whole time, how did how they let themselves get in this? Yeah, exactly. It's just... Yeah. And he's like, I knew the whole time, but there, the way that it was done was like, that's not even a twist. That's just bad, you know? It's just it's just making him see like... Like, it's an incomplete storyline because he's on top of it, but he's not actually on top of it because no. they're still bamboozled in the right. end. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. The, oh, and then the kids from the gym save Matthew McConaughey's character because yeah. they shoot the Russians who take him. <laughs> I did like that, though. Him. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. I like that. But the gym, yeah, I agree. I think a storyline was with, really like, the gym and Colin Farrell and Charlie Hunnam's character would, would have been be a really great. good story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even... I mean, Dry Eye was an interesting character. He was. I liked yeah. him. I mean, if they would have just left out the attempted rape, yeah, he would seriously. have been a, a really good villain. I think he's he was a good villain. I think so, Because he has, like, a classy look about him. Yeah. And he spoke with confidence, and he was young. So I, I think he he definitely did a good job yeah. as an evil character. I actually... So I was... When they were saying that he was Chinese, I was like, he's not Chinese. Like, the entire movie, I'm like... I, I just, I'm like, I have a feeling that Henry Golding is not Chinese, so I looked it up, and he's Malaysian. I oh. was right. <laughs> okay, I was going to say he was in the movie Crazy yeah. Rich Asians, Yeah, and, and I, think I think he plays Chinese as well. I think, no, he's from, they're from Singapore. Oh, Singapore, yeah. you're right, yeah. Um, but that was a good one. I really liked that movie. Did you ever see that? I thought it was so boring. Really? I liked <laughs> it. I, I liked it more than I expected. I really like Aquafina. Like, oh, yeah. I have a soft spot for Aquafina. Wait, is she and the one normally that's... I think she would probably, like, if I think back to roles in movies that get on my nerves, I feel like Aquafina would normally would get on my nerves, but there's something about her that I really enjoy. <laughs> and I think she does a really good job. I really want to see The Farewell, but I haven't yet. But um, oh, oh, yeah, that looks kind of sad. Yeah. Um, is she the one that... When they were going to that like dress party, she had like that elegant dress in her in her yes, trunk. And, yes, and and, <laughs> um, and Constance Wu was like, "What do you like a dress?" And she's like, "I'm not an animal, Rachel." <laughs> I love. I that I really like her. So she saved the movie for me, but the movie. You know, I, I didn't care for now it. that you say that, like, it's kind of boring, I was like, I mean, I, I guess I had high, I had really low expectations, so I liked it more than I thought I would, but you're right, I thought it wasn't super exciting. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, we're getting way off topic, long, but yeah. I don't know if I would recommend this movie. Yeah. Um, I, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a great movie. I told my I mean, they're definitely a little sorry. lower than average. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I did like that scene where Coach is meeting those like those teenagers in the um oh in know, the restaurant. It's like it looked like a kebab place or yeah. something. Yeah. And, and they're all like and he's like not beating them up, but he's very quick on his feet, you know, so they're trying to like they're trying to stab him or whatever, and he's like, no, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed, but the people that were working there were just, like, staring intently the entire time, like, what's going to happen yeah. next? And yeah. I was like, guys, what? You should be more scared. Yeah, There's like, I would be hiding in the I'd be like, I'm going to be in the back. Like, yeah. I, that was the first introduction of his character, and I was immediately like, who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, I liked his character interesting. a lot. He was good. Yeah. Um, I personally... 
I don't think I would recommend it. Um, I think that the ending's very contrived, as I said before. That attempted rape scene really put a bad taste in my mouth. There's just a lot of things that weren't necessary to be put in and made the storyline a little slowed down when it didn't need to be. So overall, I would give it like, I don't know, maybe like a solid 5 out of 10. Yeah, I I yeah, I think I maybe would give it a 4 out of 10 just because yeah. it gets really bogged down in the middle. Yeah. And um, I felt, <laughs> I really felt like it was too close to trying to copy a Tarantino movie. And if Tarantino had done this movie, he probably could have done better <laughs> yeah way better but I, I don't think he would do a movie like characters. this yeah yeah there would have <laughs> been stronger like I don't think she would have been in a right I don't think she would have either no. um yeah that's what I say yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste your time see definitely else. don't go see it in theaters if you're no, gonna see it no don't go see it in theaters but yeah. find us on on um Spotify. Instagram at watchers of movies we have Spotify we hopefully will be on Google Play soon because I just oh, nice. submitted our podcast there. We're on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud and you can also find us on Facebook. Yes, and we have an email. It's watchersofmovies at gmail.com. If you guys want us to do any movies, we try to do more recent ones, but if you have any recommendations that we should do or you really like for us to do, let us know. And we did get some recommendations, so thank you for (laughs) the recommendations. Awesome. We love that. Yeah. And we will have more episodes coming at you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're we're starting to do it once a week now, so it's for all you guys out there, all you listeners. All the waiting. (laughs) We all all, all love you. (laughs) Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.